The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Good show lined up for you today. We'll spend time with Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker Football from Hale Varsity, in about 20 minutes or so. Now, Mike Shuhart, Shuey is on assignment. I don't know where. That makes me sad, but we have a chance to sit down with Husker linebacker and Columbus native Ernest Hausman. Ernest will be uh, ready for Minnesota, and he's been uh, able to uh, to do some nice things as just a young pup, an inside linebacker for Nebraska. So we'll talk to Ernest about this freshman year at about 440. Longtime college football man Brad Edwards, formerly of ESPN, get his take and reaction to the college football playoff and the job openings around the country. So Brad with us in an hour. And then Evan Bland from the World Herald will join us in hour two. Numbers to get in can join us here on Hale Varsity at 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825-5865. Find us on the stream. The stream yard is up and operational, can watch the show, ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, and also on the Hale Varsity Twitter uh, feed as well, at HVarsity Radio, Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Schmidt underscore radio, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. can follow each of us along, and send emails, as always, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I will attempt to read them correctly and uh, get to them. So, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time Yesterday with the, uh, the the Arizona State news, good story by Mitch Sherman today, who was with us yesterday about, you know, where Trev is at in the coaching search. And it's getting down to it with uh, just that window of opportunity to lock up who you're going with or anoint Mickey. And this weekend is going to be big. What can Nebraska do shorthanded, undermanned or at least from an experience standpoint, they're going to be lacking that comparatively at quarterback, assuming Casey Thompson can't go because you have Captain Morgan. Tanner Morgan's been in college since the Bush administration. And you have Mo (laughs) Ibrahim that's uh, going to work on another 1,000-yard season, right? Hopefully uh, it's not a 1,000 on the ground against Nebraska. I don't think so against uh, the defense. But a tall task, Elijah, a lot of the same story that we felt a week ago going in against Illinois, a really good football team. Minnesota's uh, righted themselves a bit after that uh, undefeated start. They are very mortal when they are down starters, as you saw 
uh, in their loss to Purdue. Uh, when they don't have Mo carrying the football or they're on the road without their starting quarterback, you uh, have a night and day difference with a lot of college football teams. Nebraska's task is to get somebody, maybe two, quarterbacks up to speed to manage the offense, get some points, and hope the defense can play a whale of a game and keep Minnesota down. Just not a lot of juice with the you know, post-Illinois and Nebraska fan base. Uh, the, the interest and support's going to be there, but it's fleeting right now. It's, it's a bit shaky because you don't want to see this season turn. Mickey and Nebraska football put out a video probably about an hour ago and it had Mickey gathered around. You had Farmer Rally and the guys. I need juice from the offense. I need juice from the defense. I need juice from special teams. So some of the vocal leaders were talking before practice today. And uh, Whipple, we'll hear from Coach Whipple on just his thought process with the quarterback situation a week ago and how it can differ going into this week. But Mickey's take today is he had the team gathered around as we're still breathing. We're still breathing, and you're not going to just pack it in at Nebraska from a life lesson standpoint. You lose your job. You have a family to feed. uh, You can't just pack it in. So I don't think that thought has crossed Nebraska's mind, but they're up against it. There's some adversity. It'll make them stronger, but can they be stronger by Saturday? You talk about adversity. They're going to have a hell of a lot of it on Saturday, assuming that Casey Thompson isn't a go. Now, uh, it does sound like Casey's starting to trend in the right direction, but what kind of reps is he going to have against a how defense? How effective will he be? How effective can he be only getting mental reps during the week if he is all ready to go? And uh, if I were to handicap it right now, if I was in Vegas, I'd probably say uh, the odds are showing me that I don't think Casey Thompson's going to be suited up on Saturday. I, I think this injury feels like something that's more than a, a one-week process. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, could that be a different story come a week from Saturday? Time will tell, but... Based on how I see it right now, I don't think Casey Thompson is going to be a go on Saturday, meaning it's going to be Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers, two guys who, from what we saw last week, seem like they are head and shoulders below where Casey Thompson's at as a quarterback, which is going to put a lot of pressure on the Husker defense. And I'm sure a topic that we're going to be hitting sometime later this week is what does this Husker defense need to do from a point total point of view uh, in order to give this Nebraska offense a chance? I'm not going to shut out. It'd be good. Yeah. A shutout would be phenomenal, but single digits, even uh, way more, not, not as good of a shutout, but it's, it's more acceptable. That's a big ask, especially if the turnover bug bites again, or you're just inept offensively. And I'm not going to put a specific number on, on what I think this defense has to do as of right now, but looking at it right now, you're probably gonna have to do better on the ground than you did against Chase Brown because yeah, I think you did what was expected of you against Chase Brown. You did enough, assuming Casey Thompson was your starting quarterback, uh, to give yourselves a chance against Illinois. But 30 rushes for 150 yards clearly was not enough uh, with a, an offense that was, had a backup quarterback with uh, their backs up against the wall on Saturday. So, uh, I mean, if I'm looking at it, you probably have to keep Mo Ibrahim somewhere around 100 yards rushing. You have to keep Tanner Morgan 50%, 60% completion percentage for less than 150, 200 yards. Like, you have a monumental task ahead of you if you're the Husker defense on Saturday, if it is either Chubb or Logan that, that is the guy under center on Saturday. Well, and you look at, too, what's Minnesota good at? They're good at getting third downs because it's third and three all day. They do well on first and second down. Nebraska didn't do a good enough job of getting Illinois off schedule. You got to be better at getting Minnesota off schedule. I'll say this about Illinois, their quarterback, 
uh, probably apples to apples with Morgan, okay, just a guy that's experienced, that you're not asking him to go win the game, but make a play or two, and they found their tight end a couple of different times on some first downs to, to really get him out of their own end, and then you can just kind of play uh, play bumper cars with the running game. And similar to DeVito, I'd say I think – Tanner Morgan's strong suit is the fact that if he's not pressured, whether that be the scoreboard or the defensive line, he's not the type of guy who's going to put the ball in danger. No, ever. He's, he's very sound that way. Uh, uh, span forward a tight end that leads the team. Now, the downfield passing attack for Minnesota isn't great, but they flex this dude out, and uh, he is a tremendously talented tight end. So that's who you got to stop down. There's a guy back in the day, Max Williams, that I think is still in the NFL that that's the one guy, and this was the Jerry Kill era, that Minnesota was going to throw the football to, and it didn't matter. They still got the football to him. Uh, he still got to stop it. So whoever draws the, the, the straw to, to cover the, the Minnesota tight end has got to be good. So you got to live in that 40% conversion rate if you're the Nebraska defense for Minnesota third downs. you got to limit uh, span forward, and uh, you got to keep Mo in check. Other than that... Well, uh, let's add one more thing. From an offensive point of view, the offense helping out the defense, the offense can't be giving Minnesota's uh, offense short fields. No. If the Husker offense is turning the ball over, a shanked punt somewhere from the special teams, the Minnesota offense has a short field. They're that classic Big Ten offense that's going to convert and it's going to make you pay. It may not be seven, but it's going to be three. They're not going to mess up down in your red zone and let you get the ball back if you, if you give them a short field. So that's another huge thing that doesn't really fall on the defense, but you can't put your defense behind the eight ball and give this Minnesota offense a short field because they'll make you pay, just like just about any Big Ten team will. Think about this gopher defense. As stout as they are, they're, they're top 25 good. They're not as good as they've been in past years at getting after the quarterback. So that uh, doesn't mean it'll be easier for Nebraska, whether it's Chubba or it's going to be Logan. Let's hear a little bit from Mark Whipple. And listening to Whip after practice today, let's just say I I was not inspired to think it's going to be a good day Saturday. I love his honesty, but Whip's just, you know how he is, the old curmudgeon, and I say that lovingly. And he just, there's not a lot of BS coming out of him. But there's not a lot of hey, it's going to be okay either. I didn't, I didn't get that warm fuzzy feel. But this was whip on on Chubba's performance on Saturday. Well, I, I I was I told the whole offense we were disappointed and probably wasn't fair to Chubba. He did not practice the last two days of the week and really wanted to play and uh, and he got hurt and um, he's fine now. So going back, I don't know whether I should have or not and that's why Logan went in the second quarter in the second quarter because I wasn't sure exactly where he was. And, you know, when I looked at his eyes at halftime, it felt like he was good, but he wasn't really prepared mentally with with uh, was, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I think we let down when Casey went down and I, and I think that it gave Illinois a boost and, um, you know, it's just something we got to deal with. Yeah, the the air went out of the joint when when Casey got rocked. That said, why? Why go with a guy that missed two days of practice last week and you're going off mental reps, inexperienced kid, and then you're asking him to, to go save the day, manage against that defense? Now, Whip owned it, 
Wasn't fair to Casey. Uh, wasn't fair to, to Chubba. Absolutely. Wasn't fair to the team either. The defense, the special teams, the other 10 on offense, well, we'll say 11. Chubba wasn't ready and he shouldn't have been in position. I, I just, hindsight's easy to sit here and criticize, but I just can't for the life of me get a answer as to, well, he throws it. But, well, if he isn't ready and he's been hurt and he's not practiced, I don't care how bad you think Logan throws the football or how little confidence you have in Logan throwing the football or your your confidence level in your offensive line to protect or get some sort of seam for a run game. I don't get that call. I think you'll see two quarterbacks good and just – Figure out a way to get a hot hand, move the football, double down, find Palmer in short pass. I mean, there's a hundred different things you can go. You have to adapt so you don't die here. And Nebraska was was just not ready. And I just don't know what's going on quarterback development-wise. And, and I think it's almost a little bit funny what Mark Whipple just said there because it's the most old-school football coach thing ever. And maybe he's trying to conceal some things from a presser. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about what's sure. going on behind the scenes. But he said, I, I went in at halftime. I looked in Chubba's eyes, and I saw in his eyes that he wanted to go. And that's why I everybody wants game. to play. Can you do the job? <laughs> but is that not the most old school football coach thing ever to say? Like, yeah, I looked into that guy's eyes and he was ready to go. That's like the most classic, like. And then there was a turnover at the 30. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, okay. <laughs> and then he, then he would look me in the eye. Uh, more from, from Coach Whipple here uh, as far as changing the offensive game plan. There's some, you know, but it's also with the guys around, you know. It, it, it'll probably more entail how the game's going, you know, on, on those things. It's a completely different defense that we faced last week. So there's not much, there's not someone carry. There's carryover, but not really kind of the way that uh, Minnesota plays defense. And they're both really good, just two different styles. So, uh, you know, that, that we probably had a little bit more in last week because we had an extra week, but uh, pared it down a little bit more. And it, as I said, there's not it's a, a complete different style is really what it comes down to. And both are really good. Both are really good teams. They're going to run the ball. You limited limited chances, and uh, because of where the style is, and you know, you got to make the most of it. That probably was the biggest disappointment last week. Was bet the ball in the red zone and turn it over twice. Well, a- amen. Uh, more from Whipple here on Smothers and his performance in practice. I thought he had his best two days. You know, I think it's something when you're. That's just maybe natural when you're third. But he, the third guy gets reps in our, the way I, I do things. Not as many, but I, I told him, I said it was the best he looked that I've seen him since I've been here yesterday and, and today. Both those two guys, you know, it's kind of like, um, so I'm pleased with that. Yeah, Logan's done, done, done well. You got to make some chicken salad. You got to make some lemonade. I mean, whatever you want to throw in there. And that's not to demean either quarterback, but you're you're limited. He's been around football long enough that you you got to figure something out. And I am for the life of me can't find what I would hang my hat on. What's going to give me confidence? What Nebraska has been able to do is give Casey enough time from time to time to hit a big pass play. Okay, that has been. Uh, your gold standard on offense. 
Now, can Logan throw the football downfield? Can Chubba throw the football downfield? Uh, yes, right? So one's better than, than, than the other. And can you, can you just play pitch and catch with, with what you have now? Can he use the athleticism of, of Purdy? And can he be focused, man? Is he going to go in a nervous wreck? Or is he the confident kid that his teammates talk about? And he didn't want to miss his opportunity, but he, he wasn't ready. But, and it, you did a disservice to the team uh, last last Saturday by, it, by putting him in. And simply put, I don't think these two guys are going to be able to go in and run the same offense that Casey Thompson does. So if that offense looks the same on Saturday as it has the past couple weeks, I think it's going to be a long, long day. You There's can't ask be him to. You, got, you can't ask him to do what Casey can do. Mm-hmm. You got to go with what they do well. We get Mike Babcock's thoughts. Hail Varsity continues here on a Wednesday, presented by Currency. Like what you hear, high quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hail Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code G. GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Promo code GBR. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio on a Wednesday presented by Currency Ernest Hausman. Husker linebacker going to be with us in about 15 minutes or so. We welcome in Mr. Husker Football. With Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, uh, let's figure this quarterback situation out. How you doing? I'm doing okay. This is scruffy day. That okay. makes me look more like I know what I'm talking about. Well, if that's scruffy day for you, that makes my scruffy days feel a hell of a lot worse. Stubble, <laughs> stubble is underrated. I love stubble, but there's a point where stubble goes beyond stubble and it's uh, – yeah, it's just yeah. it gets a little bit too gnarly. Uh, the, I'll be that way by Saturday. You go for it. You just keep on growing, Babbers. You do your thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a game plan together for me, Mike, uh, on offense. Yeah, you know uh, the one thing I'll say is that uh, I think Purdy is more uh, in the, in the he's more the type of quarterback that Thompson is than Smothers. Sure. And I think. You know, you agree with that. And I think that Mark Whipple's offense is more in tune with throwing the ball with those two guys mm-hmm. than it is with Smothers' ability to run the ball, which I think the offense is Whipple's. You know, it should be. He's the offensive coordinator. But um, I would have liked to have seen, and I, and I don't think that they have put enough of this in to do it, uh, the opportunity for Smothers to get in there and and have that running threat at quarterback to give you a little more um, opportunity in the running game because I think that's something that Nebraska is going to have to – we talk about this every week, but you've got to establish some kind of a running game. Um, if you don't do that, you're going to end up in a situation like Nebraska has been in uh, the last two weeks or you know the last two games – um, 
the plays were 70 to 49 on Saturday. Mm. And, you know, we talked about this last week, I think, is that you've got to, you've got to get possessions. You've got to get, pick up third downs. You've got to have some control of the ball. And Nebraska didn't do that. And then you add to that four uh, turnovers and you end up with a result that you did against a very good Illinois team. Mike, is the, uh, is the option on Saturday the, the solution to the offensive woes? You could call it the, uh, the triple option for these quarterbacks? I say that with a smile on my face, by the way, for those listening at home not watching the stream. <laughs> yeah, because they're not prepared. They're not prepared to do that. Well, and... Minnesota's not going to be prepared to stop it then, right? Uh, you, <laughs> can, you, can you run it? <laughs> it would be a shock to Minnesota's defense if Nebraska came out and ran some kind of a triple option thing. Which, which, you know, I'm not saying that you should do that, but I would like to have uh, an opportunity in a system that you've practiced. And I don't think that they've practiced that um, because the depth chart says has an or after that second team quarterback, Purdy or uh, Logan. You know, Logan, mm-hmm. but um, there's no or. It's clear. Smothers is the number three quarterback and Purdy is the number two quarterback. And that's the way they, I'm sure that's the way they practice. Um, I'm sure that uh, some of the reps that Logan is getting uh, are mental reps, um, a term that uh, came up the other day, uh, which I hadn't heard since Bill Callahan was the coach. Um, And uh, the other thing is that uh, I think Mickey used this term on on Monday or on Tuesday, talking about uh, uh, the quarterback situation, and he said Purdy was a gunslinger, um, meaning he throws the ball, and that's what they're prepared to do. I think. Mike, do you think it's uh, can't do it, won't do it with the the, the run game? Um, and I ask that where I know that the Whipple's a, a pro style guy and a little West Coasty. And it works when you're healthy, and it works when, you know, Casey's back there throwing it. You you don't have that. And is he has he seen enough? And he's seen way more than any of us. Has he seen enough of this offensive line to where he doesn't trust him to run it? Or this is my system. This is what I know. So this is how we're going to live or die. I, I would guess that the, the offensive line hasn't shown – that it can do a good job in the running game, can move things. Uh, for one, you know, he, he can look at it from that standpoint. But, uh, again, I go back to, the, you know, the, I think his offense, he's more comfortable with this kind of pass-oriented thing. The thing that's concerning about that is, and I know that, that, that you go into a game and Illinois goes into a game very much aware of Trey Palmer, but one catch for one yard for Trey Palmer, that, to, I, that boggles my mind how that happened. Um, regardless of whether you're focusing on him, then did that open up things for other people? Um, I, I, I was stunned by that. You know, I'm, and I didn't see him. I tried to look and, and make sure. It didn't seem like he was in for as many snaps as I thought he would be. Um, and here you got a guy that was, um, you know, the week before, he was 
the talk of the nation. You know, he, he's uh, on the Blitnikoff Award watch list and everything like that. Uh, and he gets one catch for one yard. That, that I didn't understand that. You would think to scheme him open or throw him short or go check Somehow more bowl. Go yeah, check I mean, more bowl and put him in the backfield like you do with Jerry Rice. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff against the wall here, but no. Credit Illinois defense. You know, I'll I'll do that definitely. And it, we're it's kind of it's like a replay of, of of the Illinois game in a lot of ways because Minnesota's defense is ranked in the top 25 nationally in all the major categories. Mm-hmm. And you got Ibrahim, you know, to run the ball. Um, it's the same kind of thing. He's got like. 16 consecutive games of 100 yards rushing. Um, he, he missed the Purdue game. Otherwise, he'd be over 1,000 yards. Uh, it's it's kind of part two mm. against a Minnesota team that, you know, didn't have much trouble with Rutgers, uh, 31 to nothing. Uh, and I know that they had that three-game losing streak there, but you look at that, um, Purdue – and then at Illinois and then at Penn State. With a backup uh, quarterback. Tough stretch, yes. Well, and, my... and then uh, you come back and you 31 to nothing against Rutgers. So uh, I think Nebraska's going to have its hands full uh, in, in a big way on Saturday because of that and because of what you guys have talked about the quarterback situation. Well, Mike, what's your worry meter at when you look at what happened last week with, with Nebraska's quarterback situation okay. this week? It just doesn't feel like these last five games of the season, Nebraska is set up in a place where, where they're going to be able to, to really compete with these teams just simply for the fact of what they do well is what Nebraska generally does poorly. And that's defensively. These teams are all solid, fundamentally sound, and offensively they like to run the football, which is uh, at least what I've seen has been the, the weak point of the Husker defense. Well, yeah, and, 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 and let's say one more thing about Casey Thompson. If he doesn't play on Saturday, which I think, there, I think as Elijah said, there's a good chance that he's not going to play. Um, I think they're maybe talking about him just uh, from the standpoint of let Minnesota think about one more guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, what they might do. Um, but then if he doesn't play against Minnesota, do you think he plays against Michigan? Do you put him on the field or do you hold him back so that you got him uh, down the stretch? Well, you need to, to, to find three wins. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, that's the reality. Speaking of, of that, Mike, uh, a thought on on just where Mickey's at, where you think Trev's at. The Arizona State mentioned yesterday. Uh, I think Arizona State's looking at a lot of coaches, but Mickey's Mickey's shown the ability in in a tough situation to to put it together. But the the exam isn't over either. No, it isn't. And you know the dynamic of this of this coaching situation. You got Arizona State. Auburn hadn't got anybody yet, right? Not yet. So I think that the, the options for Nebraska are impacted by two other programs, particularly the Auburn, I would say, um, as to who's going to be available, who, you know, what candidates are available for you uh, at Nebraska. I'm still, I'm, you know, I remain a Mickey Joseph guy. I, I'd like to see Nebraska figure out a way to keep Mickey mm-hmm. and Bill Bush and let's see where they can take this program, give them an opportunity. But as we've talked before too, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, the sense I get is it's probably not going to happen, but uh, 
I'm usually wrong about stuff, so that people can be optimistic from that standpoint. <laughs> Mike, if you take the Husker hat off and you look at the jobs that are open right now, Auburn, Wisconsin, Arizona State, I guess we'll throw Colorado in here, um, and, and then Nebraska. Well, which, which position, if you're a college football coach, just had himself a couple good seasons, looking to make a move maybe up in the college football world, which job is most appealing to you? Um, well, I've got kind of tunnel vision, but, you know, okay, Auburn, do you want to go into the Southeastern Conference and try to establish yourself in an extremely competitive, difficult conference? Probably, if you're a young guy and you want to establish yourself, I don't think that's where you go. Well, especially at a school with very demanding boosters like Auburn is. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I'm eliminating Auburn from from that list. Um, Then I look at Arizona State, now that's you're in a conference that's there's a lot of uncertainty there, right? What's going to happen with that conference? Where are you going to be with that? So I'm maybe looking at uh, eliminating that one. I mean, I think for me, it probably comes down to Nebraska and Wisconsin. From my mind, and again, I'm tunnel vision. I think Nebraska is the most attractive of those, except for the fact that, and this is what I like about Mickey Joseph, he understands what it's what it means to be the coach here. I think if if you are not familiar with the program and you come in here, you don't realize it's the same kind of expectations that you're talking about with Auburn. Mm. You know, people have lofty expectations. People remember when Nebraska was good and use that as as the sounding board to evaluate this coach. And uh, that's tough. That is very tough. Mike Babcock with us. Follow Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. About 20 seconds here, Mike. What's coming up with the magazine and, and the web? Um, working on, uh, we're working on the magazine. A couple weeks it's coming out, and it's going to be a basketball uh, issue. And uh, there's going to be some good basketball stuff in there. Uh, reason for optimism. Certainly the women's team looks like mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, uh, competitive. And we hope that the men's team uh, kind of is what people say they've seen from them. Mike, we'll talk this uh, weekend. Thanks for the time, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few minutes, Ernest Hausman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Ernest, big game against Minnesota. Uh, let's go back to last weekend and thoughts on the Illini. It was, it was really a tough game. You know, um, you know, we didn't, you know, we got everything that we expected from Illinois to run um, offensively. We knew that they were going to come in there, try to control the pace of the game, use their offense and just chew that clock with um, their offensive scheme. Had had a couple of tough breaks with field position, um, but you know I thought overall, you know we played we played a tough game. You know we knew it had to be a physical game. Then uh, the most physical team physical team was going to win the game. And you know you know we had a I know there's a few plays that we'd like to take back, but you know for the most part, um, you know we played we played a defensively sound game that we thought. Uh, um, you know obviously with the result we aren't satisfied with the result. Um, you know there's a few things we have to clean up for the game Minnesota. Tell me about your progression from Dublin to now and that jump, how you process going from high school to Big Ten football and, and not a lot of downtime in between. Yeah, it was definitely a jump from high school to um, college and just a preparation standpoint. You know, it's been really good to have those veteran guys with me um, here. You know, they've done, they've done a 
tremendous job with me, uh, just preparing uh, the right way for each game. And I know under- my understanding with I mean, each game is going to be new. I mean, a lot of new things I'll be seeing for the first time. So just being with them, being with those group of guys, and just preparing the right way has really helped me uh, make the jump and each week progressively improve uh, just my my football knowledge who's helped you the most who's taking you under their wing yeah so you know i think all of them have done a really good job you know with being behind nick you know he's been really just with me a lot with just being that position um you know i've always just being being there right there with me I have any question just always um being there uh, willing to help um you know just studying film together just going throughout the week progressions you know um yeah all those good guys really helped me um through all those veterans um and the coaching stuff take me through how you prepare through the week and what's what's the the process like you know we're getting the game plan tuesday you know we'll, we'll get some of the cut-ups done on monday so we'll come in on monday as a, as a linebacker group you know you know each um you know have a kind of have different schedules on that monday um so we'll kind of kind of as a group get down there at some point throughout the day first get a look at kind of what we'll be seeing throughout the week you know as the week progresses you know we'll we'll come in as a group in the afternoon i'm going to watch film together um and be so we can all just ask questions and bounce pe- feedback on each other and how we're going to you know see some issues that come up and how we're going to solve those things um and then, you know, we'll, you know, for me, especially having a lot, being all brand new, you know, I have to like use the evening and you know, I have to have to go watch it again just to make sure I'm, um, I'm sure all the things. And, and the thing is with me, I just have to know, I have to be patient with myself knowing that, Hey, this is the first time I'm seeing these things and, um, I'm going to make a mistake, but I know I have to make this mistake. I'm 100% full speed during practice. So then I know that, um, I can change it, fix the mistake, um, later throughout the week. Have you been frustrated this year? You know, I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. I expect myself to at a high level to play at a high level. And but at the same time, I have to, I have to tell myself, Hey, this is the first time you've seen these things. I, I have to understand that I'm going to make these mistakes. But then at the same time, I hold myself to a high standard that hey, I make this mistake. I'm not going to make it again. A few minutes here, Ernest Houseman with this Hale varsity radio. What do you think so allowed you to, to get on the field so quickly? Just, uh, kind of just how I prepare and, uh, what I expect for me is a fine balance of not knowing, not knowing what I'm doing, being new, but then, um, fixing it at the same time. So having allowing myself to make the mistake, but then at the same time, having a solution, how I'm going to fix that mistake is what I think has helped me be able to go on the field. You know, just knowing that, you know, throughout the week, making the mistakes and knowing that, hey, when I'm out there, I'm not going to make that same mistake. Coach Rude, how's he been able to, to coach you up and get the best out of you? Yeah, Coach Rude's done a really good job with me since day one coming into here at the program. You know, just guiding me along the way. Now, I'm not just giving me the whole picture at the same time, just new step by step. You know, coming here early was just really huge was been been really great for me and you know just being able to not have everything thrown at me at the same at, at one time I mean then spring ball was just really you know one of the best things for me because spring ball you're not you're getting everything thrown at you but you're having a slow slow progression and um, you're not going to be just the whole every single offense being thrown at you so you know you know I'm, I'm really thankful I came early um, and coach Hughes has done a tremendous job with me just you know t- developing me um, become the linebacker I am today guys say that things can slow down and, and then once it slows down you can really play downhill what speed limit do you think things are at for you right now yeah i think it's definitely starting to slow down for me absolutely you know just as this late in the season you kind of see all these different looks and you kind of you know your um brain progression before the before the snap and stuff like that has been really able to just really dial in because as you gain a better understanding for your defensive call you can really see what the offense is trying to do with that call so just um, 
instead of more focused on what you're doing, you're able to see on what your issues are on your call and defense and what offense is seeing. So, um, you know, you're going against offense, they're really smart offensive coordinators that, you know, they're going to try to attack you on these defenses. So being able to know that pre-snap, um, so you can kind of get a, not, not a guess, but you can kind of see what, what a team's going to do is help you play faster. Yeah, are you able to, to, to be comfortable with communication, what you're asked to do out there? I know uh, Luke's back, but there was a time where it, it was you uh, out there and you were kind of having to run the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, like, like, again, it goes back to preparation standpoint. Um, just being able to put yourself in those calls and being able to put yourself what, what that offense can try to do. Um, you know, we stress it a lot. You know, as linebackers, we have to be able to communicate um, to the D-line and the, um, and the secondary as well and through each other. So, you know, being able to just be with a group of guys to preparation, we can kind of talk things out uh, pre-snap and we can kind of just know, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. So we kind of just play off each other. Ernest Houseman with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, thoughts on Minnesota, their line, their running game. It's going to be a, another physical ball game Saturday morning. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be another physical test for us. Um, you know, they we know we know what they're going to do offensively, and you know it's going to be a really detailed, like a detailed um, gap sound game, just kind of like kind of like um, Illinois. Um, you know, with the, with the run game, you know it's. You know, you know, you know what you're gonna get. So it's gonna be really important for us to just know no gap we have and just keep our gap integrity and just play. Um, you know, we're gonna also we're going up against a really good back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do. He does a really good job playing with their um, with their scheme, and so we know the offensive corner is gonna. You know, they do a lot of a lot of check with me. So they're gonna really see what type of defense we're in, and they're gonna uh, call the best uh, play that's for that. So it's going to be really important for us to just be really a gap sound this week. How often do you uh, get isolated or picked on with uh, back out of the backfield coverage responsibilities? How's that process been? Yeah, I mean, I, I know for, I mean, just knowing kind of what our defense is, we know, um, especially these team teams that are kind of just knowing, hey, we're going we're to a man look, you know, they're going to try to just um, get that back out, get kind of just isolate kind of maybe it's a mesh play or just I could give yourself that one-on-one look so kind of knowing that pre-snap hey this is kind of the look you're gonna get um and like again that preparation you kind of you can kind of predict that's what they're gonna try to do last thought here coach Bush uh what's he brought to the defense and, and how's it been playing for him and in the direction he wants to go with it yeah I think coach Bush has has, has brought definitely a different aspect uh, to our defense for sure um you know with kind of different calls he's um you know, I'd say he's allowed some of the things, especially to simplify some things down for for the back end of things. So, um, you know, he's definitely about different aspects of the game and different wrinkles in there for our defense. And, you know, I think it's helped us um, in different areas to excel in. Ernest Hausman, how much of Columbus has made their way down to cheer you on for the home games? I've uh, been a great support. You know, I've had really great support. You know, my family, um, you know, they've made a lot of the they made it pretty much every game I've been to except the Ireland game. So I've had tremendous support for my family um, and my Columbus support. Ernest, thanks. Good to speak with you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to spend time with the Husker freshman backers. Done a great job this year and uh, bounced back. And uh, he's going to be ready to go again uh, on Saturday against Minnesota. Hale Varsity continues. We'll wind down this first hour presented by Currency. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio, winding down hour one, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Brad Edwards, college football insider, next hour. Thoughts on the Nebraska gig, the Auburn opening, how that plays with uh, Nebraska, their candidate list, and then, of course, Mickey. A good write-up by Adam Rittenberg as well. He kind of put a percentage on a number of these openings and the, the current interims, what the percentage says. Right now, he's got Mickey at a 25% chance to get the job. And I think that seems fair. That might seem a little bit high. He had a chance for a tipping point against Illinois. Now, it didn't help that your quarterback went down. What can you do? This Saturday with uh, your backup options, can you get anything going run game-wise? It's kind of like an old mower. Can you finally get that bastard to pull start? And uh, you, you'll need to, to hand – just think about the accumulation, and Babbers nailed it with time of possession. Coach McBride hinted at it in uh, Monday's show where – think about how this is stacking up, where you got <laughs> out-possessed on top of the, the, the battering ram physicality by Illinois. He had minimal time of possession against Purdue. Has Nebraska won time of possession in any game this year? They were close against... North Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota, probably because Georgia. North Dakota had them pretty solidly in the first half, and then Nebraska made a good effort at it in the second Georgia, half. Georgia Southern, uh, I know it was not good against Northwestern and Dublin. And... Probably Indiana. I'll I'll look that up. I've got it right here. Reminder about Red Zone tickets. Fun since 2001. Do you have tickets to buy? Tickets to sell. Red Zone tickets buys and sells. Tickets for all types of events. And that's something to keep in mind with Husker football, Husker volleyball. Do you want to go check out your favorite NFL team? How about Creighton basketball this year? As they are a Final Four favorite theater, concerts, and, of course, the College World Series. Omaha is where your friends at Red Zone Tickets are located. They are local. They are down the road for you. And they have the A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. How do they get that? Well, they take care of you. And they offer a 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets to the experiences you want to be at. And check off that item on your bucket list. They can make that happen. Create the memories that last a lifetime. Visit RedZoneTickets.com today. RedZoneTickets.com. I've looked it up. Nebraska had the time of possession advantage against both Georgia Southern and Rutgers. However, they did not have more than a two-minute advantage in either of those games. Uh, Their biggest time of possession of the year was the Indiana game, in which they got 34 minutes of possession as compared to Indiana's 26. That worked. That helped. <laughs> so, hey, I, I uh, don't envy the position the, uh, the Nebraska offense is in. It's been really feast or famine all year based on the big play. But you still have some of those weapons. It's got to figure out a way to get them the football. And uh, as good as Minnesota is, and they are dynamite with their edge, tackling their corners, their safeties, do a fantastic job of tackling. Still, though, that doesn't mean you can't flip it out there to Anthony Grant and uh, get him the football. See if you can't soften things up with a little yant between the tackles. And if you do play two quarterbacks, you've got that run element with Smothers. Maybe you bust a big one. It's not impossible. Just really, really uphill. Brad Edwards, college football insider, with us to kick off Hour 2. Evan Bland next hour with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. 
your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, we're streaming here on ESPN Lincoln, Facebook and Twitter. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle, at HVarsity Radio. Longtime friend of the show and uh, college football insider and author of Dynasty by the Numbers, Brad Edwards, back with us. Get some thoughts from him. On the college football playoff, he's known that world well for a while, and uh, some of the coaching carousel thoughts that exist. Brad, good to spend time with you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Chris. Uh, it, it's been a long time since we chatted, and uh, unfortunately, not much has changed in Nebraska football since the last time we chatted, except for the head coach. But uh, I'm rooting for you, man. It's just uh, I, uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I, I know it is possible. It is possible, and hopefully they'll get there. You know, and we talked before Ireland back in August, and Elijah and I are both we're somewhere in the middle between, man, this, you blink and it's already eight games into the season, but it, it's felt like 100 years <laughs> this season. They did win a close game, though. They won a couple. So, a couple, yeah, a couple. A couple, in a row. okay. So, so I remember the first one. I was like, hey, wait, wait how did that happen? Um, Mickey Joseph, so, baby. You know, baby steps. Well, for Brad, let me get your take, though, on, on just Nebraska football as a whole. It it's, it's, feels like it's maybe starting to trend upwards, but just what's your take from a national perspective? I, I think me as a, as, a, as a Nebraskan sitting here, I've been rooting for Tennessee this year because they've been down in the mud for so long that it's good to see them kind of reclaim hope, their right? former glory. Yeah. It gives Nebraska fans some hope. Yeah, exactly, as you say. What's the national perspective on Nebraska? Well, is, has this finally reached the point where you know a college football neutral from around the country is, is starting to root for Nebraska to, to get this thing right again? Oh, I, I think Nebraska has been in that spot for a few years now where, you know, the younger generation doesn't remember Nebraska being great and they, there wouldn't, you know, be uh, any any type of tendency to root against them because they've won too much. You know, I, I think this would be a team that even the national media would embrace very quickly. I mean, it's like how everybody always wants Texas to be back, you know, and they win one big game. It's like, oh, not here. (laughs) No, no. But I mean, Nebraska's just got to win a big game, right? Like, it's just, if, if, if they can do it, I think a lot of people will be rooting for them to succeed. And I think Tennessee is a good example of, of what we've, we've 
probably talked about a few times over the years, which is that if you look at college football, a lot of times between you know number 10 in the nation and number 60, mm-hmm. there's not that big of a gap. It's just really small stuff that separates those teams. And, and it's just doing the little things and doing them consistently well. And obviously Nebraska has, has been one of those teams that did the little things very poorly uh, for, for many years in a row now. And, and that's why they are where they are. But you look at how many games they've had a chance to win against top 25 opponents in recent years, and it, just, it tells you they're not that far off. Um, but, but I do believe this. If you're going to get to where Tennessee is right now, and Tennessee's not there by fluke. Obviously, they have a win over Alabama. Um, they have been blowing out bad teams all season, which is what a really good team is supposed to do. But if you're going to get to where they are and not just in the top 25 and, and, and linger in the top 25 all season, if you want to have a chance to make a run, you've got to be able to recruit at a high level. And, and when I say recruit, the good news is these days, that includes the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't necessarily have to go out and sign a, a bunch of five stars out of high school. If you can get the right guys out of the portal uh, who can help you at, at certain key positions, uh, that could be enough. But um, you've you got to have overall kind of at least four-star level talent. And I think that's where that line so often gets drawn between the haves and the have-nots is, is the ability to get those players consistently. Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio at J. Brad Edwards. Well, you uh, know the SEC well. You know Mickey Joseph from his LSU days. And what Mickey's been able to do in the portal uh, is get a guy like Casey Thompson. He's really dinged up, so he's not likely available Saturday. Nebraska was leading a Top 25 opponent last week until he went down. Trey Palmer's a five-star that was at LSU that came to Lincoln. And uh, and then you have a former Florida State running back in Grant. So Mickey was instrumental in short order in bringing the skilled talent here. Nebraska has been problematic, Brad, on the lines of scrimmage. Uh, so there's that in the Big Ten. But your take on Mickey and just from afar, I know he's the interim coach, but there's a push by a lot of fans that, that want him as the permanent coach. Now, that's cool a bit after Illinois, but uh, yeah. you've, you've seen a lot of instances where the interim guy is popular till he's not. Well, and, and unfortunately, I can't think of too many examples where the interim guy turned out to be the right choice. Dabo would be one. Um, and, and Dabo was a guy when he was named head coach, I, I didn't, I did or named interim. I didn't think there was any chance he was going to get the job full time. Um, so, you know, you, you will find some, but I think most, most of the cases where there is an interim coach who is hired, it turns out to be the wrong choice, uh, but you never know. Uh, and, and that's the thing about it. You know, I, what are they looking for? What's Trev looking for? I, I don't. I don't know if he's set on somebody, you know, having head coaching experience, having head coaching experience um, at the FBS level, at the Power Five level, um, or is he willing to take a chance on on someone who um, just loves Nebraska? He wants and, a builder. And obviously can can recruit, and and there are a lot of different ways you could go with this, but ultimately that's what it's going to come down to is who he and whoever else may be. You know, I, I don't know who else has a say in this. Uh, how much power Trev has overall in the, in the hire, but um, but it's um, you know that's that's really 
you know what it is 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 a what is what are his base criteria what are what are the bare minimums that he's looking for and and uh you know whether whether joseph's a candidate right now um it it, 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 it he might already be eliminated it depends on what trev's looking for so um so that's kind of where we are and there's really no way to know that without him saying it but um um i i, I think he has certain certain basic traits that that are very attractive to you but at the same time um, everybody feels a lot better if, if a coach has won. But, but, I mean, your last coach had gone undefeated. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> had gone undefeated and had a team ranked in the top five um, at the end of the season, and, uh, and that didn't work out. So there's a no method is foolproof. Well, Brad, Brad, really fast here, if you don't mind me jumping in, Schmitty, if you were in the AD chair right now, which hire or which couple of guys would you be looking at here for, for this Nebraska job? I know there, there's not – any guy out there that comes with no risk whenever you ask him to lead the program. But, but what guys do you think have maybe the least amount of risk in terms of getting this Husker football program turned around? Well, I haven't really thought about it specific to Nebraska, but what I would tell you is this, is, is that whether it's the head coach or the offensive coordinator, you need someone who's going to be imaginative on offense, uh, who, who knows how to scheme, because in the Big Ten, at least at the beginning, you're going to have some – personnel mismatches on the wrong side like if, you, if you're going to compete with some of those teams over in the east not necessarily the west but in the east you, you're going to have to find a way to beat teams that have better players than you do and and that's going to take um that's going to take some very creative offense you know aside from that um it, it's it's someone who has the ability to bring kids in and and get them to love Nebraska without having grown up really knowing Nebraska. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's, it's at the point now where, as as we said, it's been so long that you're, you're not going to have, as you know, you're you're not going to have many kids in the state who are at that four or five star level coming out of high school. You're not gonna be able to build a program around players from Nebraska and bordering states. You're, you're going to need to, you know, go out West, go South, uh, maybe go East, um, I know Alabama, I mean uh, I know Nebraska's gotten a lot of really good players uh, out of out of the east over the years. So you you can go out and uh, and and grab guys from different places, but it's just you got to have someone who has the ability um, to sell Nebraska's potential because unfortunately that's what it is right now. We're now now we're selling potential. We're not selling actual results. Um, but it's been done, you know? I mean, look, if you look at, at Tennessee, um, Sure, Tennessee has a great history, too. Not at the level Nebraska does, but it's got a good history. Um, but you could look at Tennessee and say, hey, they have to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. <laughs> every single year. Why would you take that job? Why would you think that you could win there because you're not going to out-recruit those two? Uh, and, and yet, at least for one year, Josh Heupel's looking pretty good doing it. It doesn't mean he'll succeed long-term. Um, but that's the type of thing that you got. You got to be able to find someone who sees that vision, in spite of whatever the odds may be, and, and is excited to take that job. And uh, and I, like I said, I don't know who it is, um, but I think you do have to think outside the box a little bit because I don't think the, the most proven guys out there are going to have Nebraska near the top of their list. Brad Edwards with us. Trev's vision is somebody that can build line of scrimmage, develop, and then yeah. go get some yeah. of the, the skill. And Mickey can bring the skill. He's an incredible recruiter. Brad, names I'm going to throw at you as far as 
that 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 may be looking or leave or get approached with a big old fat blank check. O'Brien, Aranda, Leipold, and then Stoops at Kentucky. Can any of those fit in Lincoln? Um, I'm not crazy about O'Brien. I assume you're talking about Bill O'Brien. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I've just seen with him at Alabama, um, he has – Let's put it this way. I, I think he's more influenced by his time in the NFL than his time in, in college. Okay. And, uh, and I, I don't think that style of, of offense is, is what Nebraska needs right now. Um, who, who else did you say you said Leipold? Leipold at Kansas, Arand at Baylor, and then, and then Stoops at Kentucky. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. I am, I am a firm believer in Mark Stoops. Um, he has he has built and sustained at a place where nobody since Bear Bryant in the fifties has been able to sustain anything. So um, the the question is, you know, would he consider Nebraska a place where he has a real chance to to do something? I mean, realistically, at, at Kentucky, they're, they're half the conference. You're not going to be able to out recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there a better chance to do that at Nebraska? Sure. Um, but but is it so much better that it would be worth making a move? I mean, he's in a really comfortable spot where no one's expecting him to win ten games. Um, but um, I, I think I think I, I haven't gone through this exercise lately. But I, I might consider Mark Stoops a top ten coach in college football. Um, Leipold, I tell you, you got to like what you've seen in a short amount of time that he's been a head coach. Um, it's just you know after the Scott Frost thing. I, I just think I want to see somebody do it for a little bit more sure. um, than, than to just buy into you know someone who maybe caught lightning in a bottle. He's done it at two schools, which is better than one. And then Aranda, I tell you what, um, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that Dave Aranda knows what he's doing. He hasn't been there a long time either, but man, he lost a lot and and has kept that thing going. And and, and it was somewhat of a mess when he took it over as well. So so. Um, uh, those are those are good names. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I think outside of O'Brien, I, I really like all those names. And if you get can get one of them, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Brad Edwards with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, about three minutes left here. Let's sneak in some college football playoff thoughts before we get you out. Your reaction: Clemson sneaking in ahead of Michigan into the top four of the first college football playoff rankings. Uh, not surprising, just knowing what the committee looks at, and and you know Clemson has a couple wins over teams the committee has ranked at the the, the back end of their top twenty five, and and they're just trying to make a statement about schedule strength. Obviously, you know Michigan's got to play Ohio State uh, down the road, and um, you know the Penn State game was in Ann Arbor, so um, I, I get it. Now, um, who would I take to win if those two two excuse me those two teams played? I'd take Michigan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I would probably also take uh, <laughs> a whole lot of teams over teams that they're ranked behind. So and that's, that's not really the way the committee's looking at it. That's not what they're doing. Uh, but uh, you know, to me, I, I, I tell you what. Here, let me just say this: since we've only got a couple minutes left, every year when the, the first rankings come out, we always look for these like nightmare scenarios, the, the train wreck that the committee's going to have to deal with. And this is mine. This is what I want to see happen. <laughs> I want Georgia. I want Georgia to lose one game, whether that's to Tennessee this weekend or the SEC championship. I want Georgia to be a one-loss team that is not a conference champion, and I want Oregon to run the table. And I want to hear people across the country 
attempt mental gymnastics <laughs> to convince themselves and convince others that Oregon deserves to be in the playoff over a team that has the same number of losses and beat them by 46 points. I mean, I can promise you if that happens, there will be people who will convince themselves and will try to justify that in some way Oregon is a better team than Georgia. And, and it's absolutely laughable, but that's where we are. And that, this is why everybody wants a 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. so you don't have to deal with scenarios like that. But that's, that's what I'm hoping for. That's the, that's, that's the train wreck for me because, in my mind, I don't, I don't care if Georgia's the third choice out of the SEC. You have to put them in before you can put Oregon in. Brad, 10 seconds. Where you lean in Tennessee at Georgia minus eight dogs? I tell you what, I'm – I'm lean. I'm leaning Tennessee. I really okay. am. Um, I, I like what they do offensively, and I think I think Georgia has some weaknesses defensively that haven't been exposed. I don't think they're as good defensively as they were last year. Uh, well, I know they're not, but I don't think they're as close as people think that they are. Brad Edwards, College Football Insider at J Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, we'll do this again, man. We'll give you a holler here, and thanks for talking some college ball with us. All right, great talking to you guys again. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate him. There he is, Brad Edwards. Evan Bland, uh, the quarterback, merry-go-round. We'll get into that next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Time to say hi to Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. We'll talk Nebraska, Minnesota. And uh, find Evan on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H, and Omaha.com is where you read him. Evan, interesting week with Nebraska, Minnesota. Point spreads and uh, unsettled at quarterback and... My oh my, what's your crystal ball say? <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's never a dull moment around here, that's for sure. But in terms of the, the quarterback situation this weekend, uh, you know, to me, I think it's probably going to be Chubba Purdy. Uh, just from what we've heard from Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple about how he's sort of been held out. Um, and man, it, it's been interesting to sort of hear some of the backstory leading up to that game against Illinois, though, um, with, with Whipple today saying that uh, Shelby hadn't practiced late last week and they weren't sure that he was ready to go late in the first half, which is why they went with Logan Smothers. So not a great situation, not where you want to be when you're talking about staring down the barrel of you know four really good defenses here, um, starting with Minnesota this weekend. But uh, you know, a 15-point underdog, that would tell you that uh, Vegas doesn't think Casey Thompson's going to start, or, or if he does play, that he won't be maybe effective because of the injuries that he's had, and uh, it's just tough. As Mark Whipple said today, too, man, when it rains, it pours, and uh, as much struggle as Nebraska's had uh, in so many different phases already, 
you add the injuries to it and you ramp up to the level of competition, uh, and it's going to make for a tough November. Evan Bland with us, Sale Bar City Radio. I, I'm surprised, I guess I shouldn't be, because they clearly feel better about Chuba's throwing ability with the fit in the offense. That said, the guy was out for a, a couple of practices towards the end of the week and they still went with him. I, I guess I'm I'm shocked when they 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 went with Logan and then they said, Well, okay, Chubb, are you ready to go? Let's see how you do in the second half and it and it didn't work out. I expect better uh from Nebraska and the quarterback uh in you know this this week they'll have more time to prep, get him ready to go. But you just don't see that real often. If a guy's missed time due to injury you don't go to him uh, in a lot of instances. I don't think I've seen that in a while. No, it was unusual for sure. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the depth that they feel like they have or don't have behind him. I mean, Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple were both pretty blunt about the fact that the guys they have that are experienced are the guys they're going to go with. And everyone else is either too young or too hurt to be considered. And, the Logan Smothers conversation is interesting because, you know, you think about some of the assessments that coaches had that are no longer on the staff. I mean, Mario Verduzco back in the day overhauled his throwing motion. Um, Matt Lubick felt like he was a good option runner, um, but maybe not somebody that they wanted to rely on with his arm. So I think that part has sort of held true and, you know, it's nothing against the kid. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's as tough as they come, and he, he, he went through some injuries in high school that he played through, and, um, you know, the games that he has played at Nebraska, he's sort of established himself as a leader, and that game against Iowa for three quarters, he looked like he was playing inspired football, but I think it's in some ways just sort of a reminder of how different the offense is now from what it was. You know, this is someone with a skill set, uh, built for more of a spread attack as opposed to um, this this kind of slinging West Coast style look that Nebraska does now. And I think the other thing that coaches didn't mention today, but uh, I've got to wonder too how much different of a challenge it is to run the offense from the offensive line's perspective if you're putting Smothers out there. Uh, just the way that you block the mentality of that uh, of somebody who's trying to run the ball um, is a lot different than pass protecting and and trying to just keep a pocket clean and that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of differences there. I think the other thing worth noting is, um, you know, the Mark Whipple chose Chubble Purdy from the transfer portal in the offseason. That was his guy. That was somebody that he knew, somebody he had a relationship with. And I think he was surprised at how nervous and, and jittery and maybe unprepared in some ways that Chubba Purdy was on Saturday. And, um, you know, ultimately, I, I think the, the interesting question for this weekend then is how much is a, a week of reps worth? Evan, I think it's a, it's a reasonable expectation that we're probably going to see a, both of those quarterbacks in the game at some point on Saturday, whether it's just spot rolls for Smothers or whether there is a true split remains to be seen. But do you think it's fair to say that as of right now, we should expect Chubba Purdy to be the number one guy rolling out there despite the struggles that he faced against Illinois? That's my read, at least, yeah. I mean, uh, the coaches haven't ruled out Casey Thompson, and you never know what his situation might be. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of clarity on how how serious the hand injury is or if that could linger. And, of course, there's the fact that it was the same hand that he had off-season surgery on, um, you know, from, from that thumb from a year ago. So you just don't really know 
what his status is. But yeah, I mean, just the way that the coaches talk about Purdy and Smothers, um, I would I would lean toward Chubba this weekend. I think they like his leadership style and ability. Um, you know, he's he's been a, a popular kid in the locker room. And again, he's someone who I think it's just easy to think of as sort of being more experienced because he was in that competition with Casey Thompson in the off season. But, you know, you break it down, he's got one career start. He was a, and that came at Florida state, just the way that Logan Smothers has one career start. They both played in like eight or nine college games total. And then you add to the fact that I think people may forget that pretty missed most of the spring with a foot injury too, that, that limited him to mental reps and having to watch things from the sidelines. So in a lot of ways, uh, you know, he's been viewed as sort of, uh, you know, a possible quarterback of the future for Nebraska, but I think sort of lost and all that is the reminder that there's a lot of work for him to do now. And he has been behind um, for all the reasons that I just laid out. And, and I think that showed up on Saturday. And, and again, we'll see how much of that gap can be closed, even with just one week against a pretty good defense coming up. So with the defensive side of the ball, uh, Nebraska needs what? What type of uh, effort? Uh, what's a point total that they got to hover around here to, to get? We, we don't know what Nebraska's offense is going to do, but defensively, what do you like about uh, Nebraska's chances to, to slow mowing company down? Well, I think what plays to their benefit is it's a similar task to what they had last week against Illinois. And, and quite honestly, it's a similar task to what they're going to have the rest of the season uh, with Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, you're talking about dominant defensive teams who on offense uh, want to lean on the run, have elite rushers, have strong offensive lines, um, and who won't necessarily beat you with the big play. So I don't think if you're Nebraska's defense, you need to worry about the explosive play from Minnesota, what you need to worry about is is getting them behind schedule at some point. Um, so whether that's you know a, a tackle for loss on first down, whether that's you know a no gain on second down, somehow you got to get them into a third and uncomfortable situation. And when you look at what the Cofers have done, it's been the opposite. I mean, they're getting four four yards a pop, and there, it's no coincidence that they're leading the country in third down conversions at nearly 60% uh, of, of a pace in doing that. And so somewhere along the way, you've got to have to, you're going to have to get a stop. Uh, that goes back to all the, the normal things we talk about with this defense. You have to be sound tackling. You have to stay in your gaps. Um, you know, Minnesota isn't going to give it away. It's not going to be easy. I mean, they're, they're five linemen uh, on offense have started every game together. They're all, at least six foot four, 300 pounds. So this is a big, experienced group with a running back who has gone over 100 yards uh, in every game he's played for like three years, going back to 2019. So it's it's a big challenge, but I think if nothing else for Nebraska, maybe it can find some solace in the fact that it's a it's a definable challenge. Like you know what Minnesota wants to do, now you just have to go out and stop it. What does a, a successful day against Mo Ibrahim look like for this Husker defense? I think. Uh, it's got to be fewer yardage than what Nebraska allowed to chase Brown just whenever you look at what Nebraska is probably going to have offensively here. But what does a successful day look like to you? Yeah, I think Chase Brown's probably a good comp on that. I mean, what do they allow? Um, I think about 150 yards rushing to him on like 30 carries. So, you know, something similar to that, I think. I mean, Nebraska's seen him. I think this will be the fourth time they've seen him. He's had six rushing scores against them already. 
uh, you know, small back, hard to bring down. People, I think, I don't remember if it was Fleck or somebody else sort of compared him to, to trying to tackle a bowling ball with razor blades on him. Like, it's just not a comfortable, easy thing to do. To me, Minnesota has fewer uh, options in the passing game than what Illinois did. I mean, they had Isaiah Williams and could go a couple of different directions. But Minnesota in the passing game, they essentially have their tight end, uh, Revan Span Ford, and some receivers who just are, are sort of possession-type receivers for them this year. So, I mean, I think your focus has to be on Ibrahim. And, um, you know, maybe he will get his. Maybe he'll it'll be a similar line to Brown where he runs it 25 or 30 times for you know, 140 yards. I think Nebraska would probably take that if they can – limit what Minnesota's doing uh, in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I think like what's tripped Nebraska up at times has been playing teams like Purdue where there's been so much deception uh, in how they run things, and then that's led to a lot of confusion defensively. I don't think that's necessarily the case here. I think this is more of a, of a test for Nebraska where this is about being physical, where it's about sort of that battle of wills. It's about being um, – you know, just sticking to, to what you do, staying in your gap, not trying to play hero ball, because once you get bored and, and sort of try to anticipate or cheat, um, that's when, you know, he can cut back and make a big play. So I think that's the challenge. It, it is more physical for Nebraska than maybe it has been in recent weeks. Real quick, Evan, your take on, on Mickey and his candidacy for Arizona State. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. I mean, yeah, a lot's been made this year about – Mickey uh, sort of having this on-the-job interview with Nebraska, but uh, everybody else is watching, too. There are other openings around the country. Um, what he's done in terms of, of, of sort of firing up Nebraska, what his reputation is as a recruiter is still out there. That's a valuable skill set, I think, especially in today's age of the transfer portal and NIL. Having somebody who uh, can recruit and acquire talent the way that he has is important. Um, that said, I don't think that just because there's been contact means that there's an offer on the way or that there's even interest from Mickey Joseph's side necessarily. I think that's something that, um, you know, there's a reason oftentimes these sorts of, of stories get out there. Um, I don't think that'll necessarily add pressure to for Nebraska to speed up its its uh, search or, or, or bring a conclusion to its search, but I do think it, it gives the Husker brass a little bit something extra to think, to think about and just to maybe remind them that it's no guarantee that if Mickey Joseph's not the head coach, that he would just slide back into a position role moving forward with another staff. Evan, we will see you on Saturday. Thanks for the insight today. Thank you. Good to spend time with Evan Bland, World Herald. Remember to get buckled up. It saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday with Nebraska Orthopedic Center and Dr. Brandon Seifert. I don't know if he's wearing his Ken Anderson jersey, his boomer throwback, or he's just got the Joe Burrow gear on. But Dr. Brandon, a tough, uh, tough offense to watch without Jamar Chase. How are you? Hey, I'm good, buddy. I think I have to pull out the old Boomer jersey out of the closet. <laughs> you know, I got one of those from Santa one year. I had to go with the black versus the road white, and, and I loved it. But Monday night football was tough. Big win for Cleveland. Uh, one of Mickey Joseph's uh, prized kids 
Jamar Chase, uh, one of the top weapons. What a, what a year he had. Four to six weeks with uh, a hip injury. Saw the footage uh, where he was running, and then he kind of just limped off the field. Not last week, uh, I should say last week, not, not recently this week, but uh, this was uh, against uh, New Orleans uh, in week six. And let's dive in a little bit here. I, when I hear and look at hip injuries, I think of Bo Jackson, worst case scenario. But uh, tell me a little bit here about uh, what you can do to exacerbate that hip uh, uh, with, uh, with specifically the wide receiver's position. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and unfortunately, I mean, they're being a little bit cryptic in terms of what exactly he has. It's kind of non-specific in terms of the information that's out there. Um, you know, the big thing that's kind of all the all the rave these days is whether or not somebody has like a labral or a chondral injury. You know, if you look at those two things, what that looks like anatomically is you know the hip joint, the ball and socket joint. Um, on the uh, socket side, there's a ring structure that sits around that called a labrum. We've spoken about this before with shoulders, kind of similar uh, structure. Uh, but essentially, that's what can happen. He can develop some wear and tear on the labrum where part of that becomes loose, maybe can start to hang down, can catch inside the hip. Um, that'd be kind of worst-case scenario where you'd need a, like a hip scope, hip arthroscopy to go in and address that, whether you sew it back together or just clean it up. Uh, that's kind of the extreme pathology. Uh, you also can just have a scenario where you kind of bruise that, maybe scuff it up a little bit, but it's not unstable. That might be the scenario he's in at this point. I'm talking a four- or six-week return, so that's a possibility. The other possibility here is just to get a bad kind of deep bone bruise where he gets pretty uh, a significant amount of swelling and bruising inside the bone itself, which that could be potentially what you might be experiencing, although a bit a bit more rare uh, in his uh, in his sport. Um, then you kind of move to, you know, more front and outside of that hip, you start talking about like a hip flexor strain. That'd be where you have a you know a tendon or muscle that kind of pulls your your knee or your hip up to your chest. That'd be your hip flexors. That's a real possibility. And then you can even move to the outside of your hip, where the, basically your glute muscles come around and attach to the outside of your hip, and you could have a strain in one of those. Is a possibility kind of lower on the possibility scale. So we do have kind of a variety of injuries that can happen in that area that would be common in our football athletes. Again, hard to speculate as to which one of these he has, although they have said that what he has does not need surgery. Um, is what I saw in the uh, listing today after he saw supposedly a specialist after MRI. So we can kind of speculate on those things. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say, Brandon, you combine the fact that he's not going to need surgery with the fact that he was seen on crutches today at the Bengals facility, meaning you'd assume this injury is non-weight bearing of, of some sort. And I want to get your take, if that gives you any sort of indication of what this could be, the fact that it's non-weight bearing, or is that just what a lot of these hip injuries are? Yeah, you know, usually they'll put those folks on crutches for comfort. Um, so in his scenario, you know, somebody's got a pretty bad you know, hip flexor strain. Um, but putting them on crutches feels pretty good. It just kind of takes away that moment of kind of pulling that leg up. It gives you some rest. So that could be, you know, a possibility what he's dealing with. Uh, but you could obviously, you know, think about it maybe going deeper into his hip, into his labrum itself, and maybe he does have kind of some bruising, maybe a kind of a partial injury to that labrum, and that could be the same scenario by putting him on crutches. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, a jock doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. He gets his four to six weeks. He heals up. He's good to go. Great. How likely, how often is this uh, a re-injury situation? Uh, he's so good off the line. He doesn't get grabbed or hit that often, but when he does, you know, uh, it, it, you, you can feel the pain, so to speak. So can he re-injure himself 
uh, easy, m- more easily than than other injuries, I guess. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at it from you know maybe two different pathologies. You know, if you go towards this is more of like a groin strain, hip flexor strain, uh, then that's pretty easy to kind of retweak when you go back at least initially. Kind of thinking about like maybe even a hamstring strain type. And so from that perspective, if that's what it is, then yeah, I would anticipate uh, kind of a rough spot ahead for him as he goes back. On the flip side, if it's more just kind of that deep bone bruise, maybe a little bit of a partial wear and tear on that labrum in the hip, uh, a little less chance of irritating that. So maybe a little bit better prospect for him uh, getting back. Uh, but again, both those can be kind of dicey in terms of that kind of early return. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here on Nebraska, or, sorry, Nebraska Orthopedic Center on Hale Varsity Radio. Excuse me, Dr. Brandon, I completely flubbed your, your intro there. But uh, to get back to Jamar Chase, is there any sort of thing? I mean, it, football seems like the kind of sport where it's hard to, to limit the sort of hits to your hips and what you have to be doing with your hips. Is there anything that can be done for a guy with a hip injury as, as he's returning back to the facility and getting back into the pads, getting on the practice field, getting on the uh, the playing field? Is there anything that can be done for a guy like Jamar Chase with a hip injury to try to keep that hip protected as he makes his return? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the the big thing for him is we always talk about kind of that early return, return to play program. It's all about trying to be able to preserve, you know, that kind of muscular status and structure that you currently have. Obviously, you're going to lose some the more you kind of rest and pull back. And so it's a matter of finding that balance of let's get appropriate rest here, but let's also find a way to you know keep things active. Let's try to keep that quad firing and functioning appropriately. And that really kind of becomes that big kind of determinant in terms of, one, you know, when are you going to get back? And two, how effective are you when you do get back? Is how well can we kind of preserve that muscular uh, function and structure while also kind of resting an injury? And so, you know, things you can do to kind of help that along is, you know, maybe starting out with uh, like a kind of a zero gravity type trainer situation where they get one of these treadmills that can pull back on some of the gravity and the weight, and you start kind of a running program through that. Obviously, being in the pool is one way to do that. You know, getting on a stationary bike is another. Um, but, you know, if he's on crutches already, he's probably looking, at, I would think, maybe two, three, four weeks before he's even back jogging. Um, and that would just be kind of light jogging. And then you got to think about how long is it going to take to get back to you know, sprinting shape. And then once you get back to sprinting shape, what's it feel like to get back to, like, explosive shape where you're coming up out of a stance or you're, you know, cutting at 100%. So that will be kind of the big question marks for him. Well, Jamar, get back out there. Don't get hit. Right? Simple as that. That's the, that's the message from Joey B. and Zach Taylor. Put a green jersey on him. Yeah. During the game, even. Right? Just have a gentleman's do bet. do it. Uh, Dr. Brandon Cypher with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A Jock Doc Wednesday. Our uh, topic today, Jamar Chase, incredible ball player. And uh, many of us in fantasy and just football fans in general want to see him get back at it. We'll see how uh, he recovers from this hip issue. Dr. Brandon, thanks for jumping on with us today. Always great to spend a few minutes with you. All right. Thanks, fellas. You guys take care. All right. You too. There he is, Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A Jock Doc Wednesday. Those are uploaded to the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And uh, can always uh, catch those as well on Nebraska Orthopedics website. So good insight there. Uh, we'll see if we need to dive into elbow and nerve issues uh, with right-handed quarterbacks if it's an extended issue versus the uh, the mother of all funny bone hurts. So potentially give you a little preview of a, a jock talk for next Wednesday, maybe. Yes, uh, you're gonna maybe live without Casey this week. Got to get to. 
even if, if you don't get to six, what does five look like? What's the rest of the season look like? We'll wind out a Wednesday. Good stuff today and uh, get you lined up tomorrow. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, big thanks to Mike Babcock and Ernest Hausman in Hour 1. Brad Edwards, College Football Insider along with Evan Bland in our two Searles tomorrow. Coach Barnett will join us tomorrow. Brandon Vogel, even though I haven't asked him yet, I'm hoping he's listening and says, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, and then, uh, of course, Danny Burke from VEASAN Sports Network. VEASAN and Danny do a great job of wagering. The uh, friends at Currency bring you Hale Varsity Radio for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Uh, speaking of betting, Mattress Mac, maybe you heard of him, maybe you know him. He's a furniture slash mattress mogul down in Houston. He is a guy who loves to wager on big time events, especially I, his hometown Houston Astros. Yeah, and and, and Mattress Mac is two and thirteen all time betting. He is currently down twenty seven point six million dollars. He has ten million on the Astros to win seventy four million. He might be on his way down to forty million. Uh, and he went to the wrong place to enjoy a road venue for baseball because <laughs> Philly fan, Eagle fans, in, insane, except for Pastor, um, Pastor Shike, love you. So you're not part of this Philly take. And, 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 Eagle, and, and, and then Philadelphia Phillies fans, I mean, the city itself, I mean, they are irate, they're insane, they're, they are flat out intense, and they want to fight, they like to fight. And and Mattress Max looks 150 years old here. Maybe you saw the video on Twitter. He got pushed too far, and he's losing his backside in the betting side of things anyway, and Philly fan made him lose it last night. So that's a snippet there. You've got this sweet old man in his, his Astro Orange walking along the concourse, and just lost it. He had to be restrained by police. He was going after Philly fan. Don't know what Philly fan said, if they did or didn't like his mattresses. Well, it sounds you can kind of make out some of the things they're saying, and maybe it doesn't come across radio. It sounds like they're saying you're done for, which I assume would be referring to his bet. His bet, right. And 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 they'd lost. They gave up five bombs last night, and he's losing it. He's, he's F-bombing this Philly guy who I would bet money has probably – brass knuckles on or in his pocket not that he'd need them but mac had to be restrained by the popo and he i just i had tears in my eyes i was laughing so hard watching the sweet old man want to want to throw down well if i know anything about philly and most of what i know about philly has been given to me by the show it's always sunny in philadelphia i know there's probably plenty of grain alcohol flowing through the uh, the bodies of philly's fans last night well they don't even need to they don't even <laughs> need it to get in the mood i mean they're born that way they booed santa claus they cheered when michael <laughs> they cheered when michael Irvin was down with a neck injury have you heard bill burr's rant of uh, against the city of philadelphia I think I have. I, it's not even close to something we could even play five seconds of on the air. It's, it's wonderful, though. I, I encourage those of you that have the ears for it, uh, the, the crudeness of Bill Burr, Beer, to, to go Bill, listen to Bill, Bill Burr's. Bill Burr's hilarious. Bill Burr's rant against the city of Philadelphia is, it, it'll leave tears in your eyes for 10 minutes. 
Uh, I've been listening to a little bit of the Rogan podcast and the Diaz guy. Oh, yeah, Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but to be frank with you, I, every, I picture every Philly fan as Joey Diaz. Right? Mattress Mac, God love you. You can afford it, but just walk away. Tomorrow, big show. Searle's with us and company. Talk to you at four on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.